we might get run. I will attempt, as Ali said, I cannot make any promises. We're a little bit tangled up here this morning. But um, anyway, that'll do. Thanks, Dave. Anyway, good to see you all this morning. Um, you're really welcome. And Ali said, my name is Ian. I lead the eldership team here. Um, and I just love hearing the praises of his people coming out at the end there. People just giving thanks. And, you know, if you're new here this morning, you know, all of these people that are calling out praises to God don't have life sussed. Life isn't perfect for them, but they know. They know there is a God in heaven who loves them and that has died for them. And it affects their life. Like Chris was praying out, it affects our life now. It changes us. Yeah. And it's just so wonderful to hear the praises of uh, our God this morning from his people. Who won't sound like I'm in a cave. <laughs> Okay, well, we have started this series, uh, I think this is about episode four, episode, episode, part four, five, I think it's part five, um, where we're looking at uh, Ephesians, Jesus went through a bit of an overview when we did the baptisms a few weeks ago, wasn't that great to see uh, seven people, I think it was seven, let's round it up to ten, no, it was, uh, it was seven people baptised and um, Jesus did a bit of an overview, last time we were looking at it in depth, Adam was looking at what it was to be blessed in the heavenly places. Uh, and there's so much in this chapter one, um, there will be, we're, we're just really stuck in there at the moment. Not stuck, because, but just because there's so much there to unearth. And there will be times when we go through other parts of the book, it will be slightly quicker, we may be relieved to know. Um, but this first chapter looks at our identity in Christ. It, it talks about being known, adopted, loved, redeemed, forgiven, chosen. This is all overflowing from Paul. We should remember when he wrote this, he was in prison. And it overflows. So, we're going to read from Ephesians 1, from 1 to 14 again. Um, we just think it's really important that we really get this. This is foundational stuff for us as Christians. So we're going to read right through from 1 to 14. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God, our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us for adoption to himself, as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of the truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, was sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, 
who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. I would really recommend that uh, book that Ali just uh, held up on Ephesians. That's really helpful to help you unearth some of this amazing truth that is in this. Uh, I think it's nine or ten pounds, something like that, at the back. So check it out. It's a really good uh, book. I've been reading it myself. Um, but we just see here, this, uh, in this introduction to the letter, it's not like your normal introduction to an email, I hope this finds you well, type thing. This overflowing from Paul, all that he has in God. I wonder what overflows from you when you're excited. What do you get worked up about? But right at the outset, Paul is drawing believers' attention to the blessings that they have in Christ. And as we work through this letter, we'll look at some really practical things like marriage and parenting and work and unity despite our diversity. How to survive the battles of life, how to persevere. But before all of that, right at the outset, before all that other stuff, Paul says, this is who we are. This is who we're called to be. This is what you have received in Christ. He has, by the way, no idea what's about to happen to him next. We know from history that he was released from prison and then arrested again and executed for his faith. But there's this unveiling here of Paul's inner power. That what sustains him and what enables him to be daily thrilled at this incredible power of what God has done for Paul. And today we're just going to focus in on a couple of verses, verses 4 to 6. Where it says, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the Beloved. So continuing from where Adam was the other week, Looking at the spiritual blessings, we see the first of those here, he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. This is often referred to as the doctrine of election or selection, or as it mentions further down, predestination. It's closely linked with John Calvin, the 16th century Reformation theologian. And it's the first blessing being forechosen in him before the foundation of the world. All of these verses that follow right up to verse 13 correspond to these previously mentioned blessings and they get started with he chose us. We are a chosen people by God before the foundation of the world. God had you in mind. Not as some might think a collective of people that choose to follow Jesus. It's personal. God chose you. Jesus, Jesus will touch on this next week on this predestination topic. And some think it's unfair or it's not right, but I, I think from very early on when I started to read the Bible, I, I thought, yes, no, this is biblical doctrine. This is what the Bible teaches. God chose us. Knowing all the options, he knows all the options, he chose us from all humanity. There's no mention here of any dislike or rejection mentioned. That, that's not what it's about here. The choice is personal. He has chosen you, and we have no legal claim over that one who chooses. 
There's no merit on our part. We think we choose to follow, but it's only because he first chose us. All humanity falls short. It says in Romans 3, 10 to 11, as it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. And it continues in Romans 3, 23, the verse that we all know, that all fall short of the glory of God. God didn't choose anyone because of their holiness. Therefore, having a claim to be chosen. It's written to a body of people when it says he chose us, but it's made up of chosen individuals. Verse 3 it says believers receive spiritual blessings, and in verse 13, they're individually sealed with the Holy Spirit. Chosen individuals, united with Christ and with one another. A new family, a new unit, the church, the body of Christ. And God's selection was done on the basis of his good pleasure. We see in 1 Corinthians uh, 2, if we see the next slide, we declare God's wisdom a mystery that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. God was deciding and decreed before the ages. We see two Timothy here, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace by which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. Not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace is undeserved favour which came before the world began. It came before sin entered the world because there wasn't even a world yet. It was like a seed being thrown down right at the beginning. An action occurred before creation, ready for growth to happen at the right time. Jesus loved us before the foundation of the world. This repeating action and knowledge before the foundation we see in John 17. Jesus was loved before the foundation of the world. Christ was foreknown before the foundation of the world. God chose Jacob over Esau. Since they were born, before they were born or had done anything to merit God's favour. Romans 9.11. It says in the second half of that verse, it was in order that God's purpose of election might continue. God and his purposes are rooted in the depth of his nature. And God is a God who loves and seeks a people. Just before Paul <coughs> comes up, <coughs> excuse me, Deuteronomy 7 says, It was not because you were more in number than any other people that the Lord set his love on you and chose you, for you are the fewest of all peoples. But it is because the Lord loves you and is keeping the oath that he swore to your fathers, that the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of slavery, from the hand of the Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Know therefore that the Lord your God is God, the faithful God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. His pre God chose and predestined us, and it underscores his activity in setting apart a people. We're holy, set apart ones. And this is a, a, a doctrine that should lead us to the praise of the limitless goodness of God. That we are saved because he died for us. That really struck me actually when I was studying uh, that, the Deuteronomy from Deuteronomy 7. Um, that just, then my notes are reloaded, I'm very grateful. Um, Deuteronomy 7, 7 to 9. 
that God is, is, is and has been seeking a people. We now are tied into that promise that we are his people. Uh, God is meticulously working and writing the story of history according to his own script. And uh, it means as well that he is not subject to world events. Even climate change. We, we of course, need to be good stewards of his world, absolutely. But he is the one who will decide when the world ends. He is the one who, when he comes back, there will be a new heaven and a new earth. He is not subject to everything that's going on. He's not, he is not, he's obviously concerned, he loves his people, but he is not concerned that things are going awry from his plan. And he, this shows what we're looking at, that he loves sinners. Even though we are a, a rebellious people, Romans 3.23, as I quoted earlier, uh, Ephesians 2 says that we were dead God had a plan to send Jesus to die in our place for these rebellious people. 1 Peter 3, 18 says on the next slide, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous and the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. Maybe I didn't put it on the slide. He bore the wrath that we deserve. And it shows us that God uses weak people, clay pots, like you and I, to go to the ends of the earth and preach the good news. He wants to use you. He loves you. He has a plan for you, a purpose for you. And he gives us this amazing privilege of proclaiming the sin-slaying, death-defeating gospel. We're chosen. And it's not the other way around. Like I've said before, we don't deserve credit or merit for our standing in God. Ephesians 2 tells us we were dead. But now we're alive. We were saved, not for our glory or for our comfort, but as it says in Ephesians 1, for the praise of his glorious grace. He didn't call me for my personality or for my ability. And you're thinking, well, I know that. Um, He drew me in using other people. He had Gemma and Norman Blows proclaim the word of God to me. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, it captured my heart. It wasn't so he could turn me into something worthy of note, but for the praise of his glorious grace. He doesn't want us to be gloried in, he wants to be gloried in. We are saved to make much of him. He uses ordinary people, or the the ones that it doesn't make much sense to, to use. We see that all the way through the Bible. He used an older, short, former maths teacher who I had nothing in common with to reach me, who was a bit rough around the edges, was drinking, drug-taking, getting in fights, builder. He used him to reach me. And I'm not, as you can tell, I am not an intellect or a brilliant man, but through me, he makes much of himself. Through you, he makes much of himself. We are called, we are chosen to live for him. To bring him glory. (laughs) He's calling. (laughs) 
This should change us. This should change us because, as it says, if we go back to one of the first lines, we are holy and blameless before God. So that's a good, quite a catchy little ring. <laughs> um, we, we are called to be holy and our lives should now look different. That's not a problem. <laughs> and how can we tell, as we're called to be holy, our lives should look different. How can we tell if someone's really chosen, that they've given their lives to Jesus, but they start to look more like him? They want to please God, not because we have to earn his favour, but out of a heart of love for him. And this process known as sanctification begins now. We are called to live in holiness. Holiness is essential for the believer. We're called. And it doesn't mean you should live a perfect life, never making mistakes. When I first gave my life to Jesus, and I sat on the edge of my bread, bread uh, at bed, <laughs> eating bread on my bed, I... Taking communion from the beginning. <laughs> I, I gave my life to Jesus. The next morning, I came to church and we did Alpha downstairs. That's predestined. <laughs> that was. He knew that was going to happen. Um, I came to Alpha the next morning. We did it on a Sunday morning. And we sat in uh, Norman's office. And I told him, well, I prayed this prayer last night. And Norman got very excited, as did Anne. And they sat on the edge of their seats. And, oh, really? And Norman said to me, so, Ian, would, would you call yourself a Christian now? I said, well, well of, course I, of course I would. Because I thought I hadn't got it all sorted out. I was still, I think I probably got out, was out drunk or something the night before. I was doing things I didn't think Christians do. But I was saved in a moment, justified in a moment, and the process of sanctification started and is still at work in me today. Am I perfect? No. But do I look more like Christ than I did back then? Yes. My friends and my wife will testify for that. Only a little bit. Um, but we can only be before this holy God because we are washed in his blood his blood has made us clean. It's just like in the Old Covenant, where the old, in the Old Testament, people would offer this spotless lamb to the priests. We have had the perfect spotless lamb of God dying on our behalf. An offering acceptable to God, once and for all, so we don't have to keep coming with an offering. Because he was the perfect offering. And the evidence of God working in our lives is to be holy, live holy lives. And this isn't, you know, we should not worry about the occasional sin because, hey, we're saved by grace, right? Hey, he's forgiven our sins, past, present, future. Isn't that right? But let me tell you, he takes sin so seriously that he sent his son to die on the cross. And we should take it seriously. Keep short accounts with God. Hey, I still mess up. I still get cross. I still think ungodly thoughts. And I have to keep coming back to him again and again. And again. Lord, forgive me. Forgive me for how I thought about that person. Forgive me how I spoke 
in that moment. Keep short account with God. Don't let sin cause you to fall. Martin Lloyd-Jones, who was the minister of Westminster Chapel, said this in his book on Ephesians 1. He's written many books on Ephesians, and, and one quite considerable just on Ephesians 1. He says this, According to Paul, we are not chosen with the possibility of holiness, but to the realisation of holiness. God has not chosen us before the foundation of the world in order to create us for the possibility of holiness. He has chosen us to holiness. It is what he has purposed for us, not a possibility, but a realisation. He says he makes this solemn assertion that those who do not appreciate this truth and show very little signs of holiness in their lives are not chosen, are not Christian. Being chosen and being holy are inseparable. However much doctrine a man may know, however much he may contend for election and predestination, if there is no element of holiness in him, he is not chosen. But God, working in us, should be evident. That's, they're quite strong words from the doctor. And we are not just saved for eternity and then carry on living our lives like the rest of the world. And this often can occur, this is our concern, because we stand out from the crowd, not living like the rest of the world. And that's the point. That is the point. You are chosen by God to be like him. And you can defy him and not worry about living a life that wants to please God. But let me tell you, it will not work out very well for you. If you are chosen, he will make you holy. He will bring you to that condition. If you keep denying him, then terrible things may happen to you until all that you have left, until he has humbled you, is to cry out to him. Don't get to that point. Live a life that pleases God. Please don't hear what I'm not saying. We don't have to live like this to earn our salvation. We are saved and redeemed in a moment. But let God work in you. Let him change you. Don't ignore him. I love what Faye said today. When she said, she, if you're feeling down, if you need a rest, read your Bible. Let the word of God wash over you and, and fill you and change you. Don't just go, oh, I deserve a rest. I'm just going to sit and you know, watch the latest box set on Netflix. I deserve my time. No, let that word of God wash over you. Well done, Faye. Faye, we're so proud of you. God, God looks at you and he, he just smiles when he looks at you. You're his daughter and he loves you. It's been so exciting to be part of people's journey, to see them come to Christ. Faye now looks more like Christ than she did a few years ago. <laughs> We didn't, I wasn't going to say anything. <laughs> but I've seen so many come close to, to Jesus. But when it means sacrifice, when it means losing comfort, or standing out from the crowd, losing face, losing social standing, well then they fall away. But when you see people sold out for Jesus, willing to sacrifice everything, you see peace and joy. True peace and joy, not momentary. 
Paul said he counted it all as loss for the surpassing worth of knowing Christ. This is the last slide. Uh, Indeed, he says, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. Just think on that verse for a moment. I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. How would you feel if you lost everything but still had Christ? And be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteous from, righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him, and the power of his resurrection, and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. And my desire, church, is that one day we'll all stand before a holy God with not one slight suspicion of disappointment when he looks at us and goes, I had so much for you. I'm pleased to see you. But let it not be because we haven't lived up to all that he's calling you to. There's no time to lose. There's no time to lose for us to be called to be like him. Today. Today is the day where he's calling us to be like him. Not when life's a bit better, when life's a bit easier. Hey, it never works out like that. There's always something. He's calling you now, today, to please live a life that is pleasing to God. You are living in the presence of God. You are walking with him in the light. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Live out this life in the reality of your eternal destination. And this is to show God's character in you, God's work in you. And this election that we've talked about this morning is also great motivation for evangelism. Paul was encouraged to keep preaching the gospel in Corinth. He says, I have many people in this city. God has many people in this city, in this town, in this nation. We have to keep going. We have to keep proclaiming. Because there are people that God has already forechosen. And it is our job. It's like miners digging for gold in a pit to unearth and find those that he has prepared in advance. You might face rejection. You might face hatred, but they hated him first. Live a life that will please God. And maybe today, maybe you need to deal or repent with some undealt with sin in your life. Maybe there are areas of your life that you have closed off to God. Now is the time to deal with it, to repent and turn to him. He has a plan for you to live holy and blameless. Not trying to tick lots of boxes, trying to do everything right, but live a life that pleases him. And rejoice that your names are written in heaven, for you are chosen. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood. 
once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Why don't we stand? There's a moment here where we can just stand before him. There might be stuff that you need to deal with, some sin that you need to repent of. You can just do that in the quietness of your own heart. Are there areas of your life where you've closed off to him? So I just can't go there. Now's the time to just pour it out to him. Just the quietness, in the quietness of your own heart and mind. Just speak to him now. He's calling you to live holy. In what ways have we just slipped into just looking like the rest of the world? You're holy because he died for you. You're holy because his blood has covered your sin. Have a moment before him, say, Lord, is there anything in me that is not of you? Just bring it to my mind right now. God, I just want to pray for my brothers and sisters this morning. Thank you that we have been chosen, we're adopted into your family. We are now one because of you. I pray, Lord, for us. Help us live a life that honours you. It's not easy sometimes, Lord. We we get distracted, we get busy. Lord, we want to live a life that honours you. We want to live a life that highlights your work in us. That people will be drawn to us. Those that you have forechosen, predestined, Lord, will you draw them to us, Lord God, and help us, Lord, live a life that can draw many to you. And help us proclaim, as well, the gospel. Help us proclaim the the life-saving truth that you have died, the spotless lamb of God has died for us. Lord God, will you be with us this week? Come and speak to us. Come and just highlight things that, Father, uh, are not of you. But also, Lord, will you highlight those that you are drawing near to yourself at this time in us? In Jesus' name. Amen.